Welcome everyone to Westview Q&A, where we seek to respond to your questions. Questions we've received through the week, and perhaps questions we didn't get to on Sunday mornings during our time of Q&A. I'm your host, Ryan Simunik, and I'm, of course, joined by Pastor Charlie Salamone. Hello, everyone. How are you feeling, Charlie? Uh, good. Very good. Right For on. Monday. <laughs> so, there is a lot going on in the world right now. We've been in a pandemic for about two years. Here in Quebec, mandates are starting to lift. Uh, there's also a war happening in Ukraine. There's tragic suffering and loss of life. There's so much grief and fear. And there's the possibility of further escalation. Some of us might be wondering if there's going to be another world war. How should we as the church, as followers of Jesus, live in such a turbulent and, and, and grievous time? All right, we're diving right in. We're going it, right huh? in. Okay. We're yeah, going right yeah. in. How should we live is such a broad question, but um, I think it's good to summarize it in two parts. The first part is first, uh, as in it's, uh, it's more important that you get it right, because if you get the first part right, I think the second part is naturally going to be right. Um, what I mean is this. First is where is your heart? And then from that, I think, um, is a question that's a little easier. And what do we do with our hands, right? Hmm. So what, where, should our, where should our mind be? Where should our heart be? And, and then what do we do? Uh, we got a world um, yeah, with global problems, and you all got unique problems that you're aware of that people are suffering or you yourself might be. But before you talk about what you do with your hands, what's more important is where is your heart? And this is really, I think, the thing that needs to set Christians apart. Because some of the things that we do with our hands, others will also, and we can really partner with them and join with them. Right now, uh, I know of uh, someone um, who loves the Lord and you know he's on his way to help the refugee crisis in Ukraine. And you can bet that there are people of different belief systems and, and faiths that are joining together and just feeling a desire to help. Um, but there is something that makes us unique. And for that reason, there's going to be some a, a different way that we do things, something that is going to uh, color, if that makes sense. It's going to color everything we do with our hands. And that's what has gone on in our heart. And uh what it is is really just this central belief that the Lord is God, he is above all things, and he is working out his good plan, sometimes through bad things. Uh, you've noticed we're in a world that is often hard, painful. Uh, there is sin, there is evil. Uh, this world is in so many ways corrupt, but nevertheless, God is working out his good plan through this broken world. And so what sets us apart is this heart that we have to have, this heart of trust that God is good. The God who sent his son into the world to save the world is still working out his plan of redemption and salvation. And all of it, uh, a war in Ukraine, a global pandemic, all of it, 
he is still on the throne working out his plan. So while we may and we should help in different ways, um, we never, never turn to despair, turn to fear. Our labors um, should be marked by joy and, and confidence and, and uh, trust that this God is good and he's working out his plan. And for that reason, we can, we can do this work uh, with, with a kind of, again, uh, what are the scriptures called? The fruit of the Spirit with a, with a joy, a peace, uh, a, a kindness that, that comes from just trusting that the God who loves us is in control. Um, so uh, what do we do? What do we do with our hands? There's a lot we can do. Um, but I think, again, more importantly, it, it's where it's coming from. It needs to be that overflow of the love that God has shown us. And, and from that, we, we love our neighbor. Uh, we help our neighbor. Uh, we, we help in, in, in any ways we can. And that might mean something as big as leaving and going to help refugees on the other side of the globe. And it could also mean, you know, talking with your neighbor who is really worried and asking them, you know, how can I pray for you? Hmm. And maybe sharing just the, the trust and the hope that you have as you pray for your neighbor. Um, so the list of things you can do are endless. But what has to sustain us is, is that, uh, that heart rest that we have that sets us apart as God's children. And, and from that, we want to we wanna share that love. Amen. Amen. No, thank you for that. That's really helpful. One question that I would have as well is, what could you say to people who are, um, who would say amen to all of that, who, who believe and are seeking to trust in the Lord, um, but are really struggling with feelings of, of deep sorrow right now and, and deep anxiety? Um, how should they walk through that? That's a, a great question. And, you know, after church in the Q&A, there was a, a question also about, like, how do we trust God? Yeah. And I actually um, woke up this morning wishing that I could get a, another shot at that question. So <laughs> I'm glad you asked, because what I said was things that are true. Um, <clears throat> the, the medicine that God gives us, I said this yesterday, is not a a cure as in you take the medicine once and then you're good, but instead something, a medicine we need to take every day, the, the, you know, um, give us this day, our daily bread. Like every day we need God's word, God's spirit. We need God to help us rest in him and trust him. <clears throat> but how do we do it? Um, I talked yesterday about, we preach to ourselves, which is definitely part of it is in we preach God's truth. We remind us we remind ourselves of the promises he has made. I notice my heart getting anxious and I preach myself. You know, you see this in the Bible. Uh, you see this in the Psalms. Like, why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. Like, be reminded of his faithfulness. But there is uh, an element of that that I, I wish I would have brought up yesterday, but now I have the opportunity, <laughs> you know, to do it. Um, one of the big ways that we find comfort for the future is we remember the past, hmm. okay? We remember that all that God has done for us. And the scriptures testify, uh, like, in this way, 
Will will he who did not spare his son but gave him up for us all graciously give us all things? So that's the big thing we look back on. Like yeah. we were dead in our sins, deserving God's judgment. And in that, God saved us from the worst possible situation we could ever be in. So of course he's going to save us from these other circumstances. So we can look to Jesus on the cross and God's love shown there. But I would bet that if you've been walking with Jesus for some time, you have a lot of other things you can look back on in your own life, ways that he has helped you time and time again. Or historically, we can look at the ways that he's worked in the world and there have been awful things. And from that has come uh, good things. Mm. So uh, without getting into history and all of that, um, I think I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm going I'm to leave the answer there. Maybe no, you have I a think follow. that's really helpful. No, I think that's really helpful. You know, it's, sometimes I like to think of our our sorrows and our, and our sufferings, what we're going through as 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 wounds that we need to open up yep. uh, to the Lord, and and sometimes without bringing them to Jesus and just sort of. Um, sort of uh, t telling ourselves, you know what, I should feel this way, and yep. this is the truth, and this is how I should feel. Sometimes that's like sewing up a wound without disinfecting it, and it, it's just going to stay there and fester when it's like, if we can really bring our sorrow to the Lord and invite Jesus to come and sit with us in it, it's like that's like him coming in and just cleaning out the wound and, and sitting with us. And, and then, of course, you need to suture something up. Of course, you need the biblical truth, and you need to preach to yourself, but it can be really helpful to, to have that time of sitting with Jesus first in, in our sorrows. Yeah, that's a, a, a good point where um, when we're scared, when we're sad, I think it's easy to feel this sense of like guilt. Hmm. Like I, I need to be happy, you know? I yeah. need to be happy. And I think you're totally right. Like like God is our, our comforter. comforter. Yeah. Like there is something to be said of just spending time with the Lord and giving him your sorrows and knowing that like he's there and he cares and um yeah there there's a place for yeah. that for sure it's like feeling sorrowful and anxious is hard enough without having to feel bad about feeling yeah, sorrowful yeah. and anxious yep. you know yep <laughs> uh actually one of our questions is about dealing with anxiety so we're gonna get there uh but before we get into questions uh, i just want to give a quick shout out to the westview young adults group uh as the following questions actually come from them uh, so let's start with that question, actually, uh, because I, I think it ties in. Let's talk about anxiety specifically, because this question is, what is a Christian approach to dealing with anxiety? Wow. Um, you really got the broad questions today. <laughs> here's five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, <laughs> Take the time that you need. Take the time you need. But, you know, I think it's 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 fair. I mean, um, if if I was to give a short answer, because yeah. that's, that's what we're trying to do here, a short answer on the concept of anxiety. What is the Christian approach to anxiety? Um, it's really connected to what I said before. And this is a, a passage that I was just reading. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 10. Let me just bring it up for y'all right now. Matthew chapter 10. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. Um, you know, I'm going to do something strange. I'm going to start in verse 28. Do it. Um, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground 
outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Okay, this is a, an odd passage because in the context of Jesus telling us not to be afraid and to have comfort, he's reminding us of the reality of of hell. So, yeah, um, you know, Pastor Charlie, I thought you're trying to get us to not be anxious mm. <laughs> with this question. I am, and Jesus is, ultimately. Um, there is a reality here. There's a truth here, um, and I hope you've discovered it. The fear of the Lord is intended to set us free from fear. Mm -hmm. um, the, the fear of the Lord is intended to set us free from worldly anxiety, and I think that's what Jesus is pointing to is have an eternal perspective on things. Right. Um, because God's in control and God cares. And even after just, I don't want anyone like to be afraid needlessly. Right after talking about the reality of hell, um, the very next verse, he says, you know, our two spurs sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Hmm. Uh, a father is never going to send his children to hell. Right. Okay. Uh, that That's not what hell is for. Um so what he's doing here is in bringing up hell and the reality of it and then talking about the love of a father, he is trying to show you that what God has done for you and the love that God has for you is so much greater than the concerns that you have. Mm. Um, it's so much greater than the concerns that you have in, in the reality of hell, okay, um, the things that we find ourselves often anxious about are pretty small, aren't they? Okay. And so there's like this, um, it's kind of like this call to just zoom out and consider the bigger things of life and connected to that. Okay. Is what he says here. And I, I know I'm saying a lot of things. I'm going to summarize it for you. Okay. No, I'm getting good. a little long winded here, but, but I'll bring it home. Connected to this is what he's saying here is, you know, uh, uh, are not two sparrows sold for a penny. So a sparrow is not worth that much, but not one of them falls to the ground apart from God's, you know, apart from God's will, God's care. Uh, and, and the very hairs on your head are numbered. So what's the point that's being made here is God is in control and he's paying attention even to the little things that are worth a penny, hmm. even to every hair on your head. So uh, this last Sunday at church, we talked about Daniel and uh, the kingdom of Babylon and how God is in control of these great kingdoms of the world. And maybe we can believe that. But sometimes what's harder to believe is that God is in control of the little things in our lives. And here Jesus is saying, every hair on your head he is mindful of. Hmm. So, bringing it home. Jesus said, don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Bringing it home, the reason why we don't need to be anxious is God is in control and he loves us as a father. Amen. He saved us from the judgment of hell. Okay? If we realize that, if we've been if, if if we've grappled with the concepts of sin and salvation, we've come to know God as father, he has saved us from such uh, a a judgment that we deserved. How much more is he going to take care of the hairs on our head? Okay, because we are worth so much more to him. The key 
the key to um, dealing with anxiety is prescribing the truth of the love of a father. Mm. And that's the truth that we really need to rest in and rejoice in as we're struggling with anxiety. And full disclosure, I, I struggle with anxiety. I'm, a, I'm often an anxious person. I worry about the sermon that I have to preach. I worry about the podcast I have to record. I worry about all sorts of things. Um, but the way that I, I comfort myself is, is often what we talked about today, reminding myself of God's faithfulness yeah. and reminding of the love he has promised in his word and he has shown to me uh, so many times. So Yes, yes, that's so good. And I think that that's so important for all of us across the board. Um, I want to mention, too, because there are certain individuals who um, may be struggling with anxiety to the point that uh, they might wonder if this might be a, an, an anxiety disorder uh, that they might need to go seek out some therapy oh, for. Oh, yes. I'm and so glad you followed up with that. Because I've been to therapy before for yeah. OCD, and, Thank and, you. and it was very helpful. Thank um, you. Thank so you. Thank I want to kind of talk about God's gift of therapy within this as well. Yeah, and even going beyond. So when I say that, you know, the, the medicine for anxiety is the truth and, 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 and the word of the love of a father, in saying that, I don't want to uh, discredit or dismiss the helpfulness yeah. of professional counseling, uh, sometimes medication. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that after um, our last child was born, uh, my wife, who is very grounded in the truth of God's love, who has really not been a hugely anxious person, um, really started to suffer from uh, postpartum depression. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm People who are more educated than me on matters of, you know, uh, the medical world can probably tell you, you know, the chemical reasons why those things happen. Um, but regardless, even as she would speak and proclaim the truths of God's goodness, she just could not get her heart settled. Mm -hmm. There was just constant, very irrational thoughts that she was able to identify as not being rational, but were not able to shake and get a sense of peace. And, uh, the, the physician that, you know, uh, that was in our life, uh, uh, recommended a, a certain, um, certain medication, uh, SSRI, uh, antidepressant, anti-anxiety. And, um, and for a season, it was really helpful to, mm. uh, not as, a not as a, like you take this pill and you're good, but as we continue to preach to ourselves what is yeah. true, look to the Word of God, you know, as a, a, a another you know tool, um, and and yeah. so yeah, I I don't want to dismiss any of that because if you feel like you know God's truth, you know God's love, and you you're doing all the things that you know any pastor would tell you to do, and you just still cannot shake just feelings of, of hopelessness or depression, there's definitely something to be said of finding a, a counselor and perhaps yeah. a, a, a psychiatrist. Well, and, and I'm no expert on this, but from my experience, a lot of the times, I mean, that, that end 
the end goal and the healing is always being able to rest in our belovedness in Christ and and being um, chosen by Him and 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 the hope of future glory, all of those things. But when we're struggling with mental illness, sometimes it's the mental illness that is. Uh, uh, sometimes preventing us from fully taking hold of those things. So I, I like to think of it as kind of um, a, kind of like somebody helping you to the well. You know what I mean? If you have a broken leg, it's, it's, it's the well that you need to get to, but this is hindering you from getting there. So a lot of the times therapy can be such a help to just remove the barriers from you being able to really uh, rest in the gospel um, f- fully in that sense. I don't know. Is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, I, I totally agree. Okay. Um, so if, if this was your question or if, if you're out there struggling with anxiety, reach out to somebody, reach out to us, and uh, we'd love to connect you with, uh, with resources that would be helpful and, and be able to pray for you. Yes, so absolutely. You're not alone in that. Uh, okay, I want to move on to another question now. What does it actually look like to make disciples? How can we know we are being successful slash fruitful in this? Are you like back there thinking, what are the broadest, most big picture <laughs> questions that I can ask him I'm to answer? I'm not doing it on purpose. I just like <laughs> the, the questions. Okay. It's like... What's make, the Bible, Pastor Charlie? <laughs> making disciples, uh, you know, it's really... Um, that is, that is I think, for good reason, a bit of a, a buzzword um, in churches these days. Yeah. And when I say like Christians are called to make disciples, I know for me, a picture that often comes to mind is like two or three people hanging out at a coffee shop, right. you know, uh, reading the Bible together and asking each other questions about the Bible, which totally qualifies as making disciples. But the concept of making disciples is so much more uh, comprehensive than that. It's so much bigger than that. It's It's really the entirety of the Christian mission Hmm. and it can be accomplished in so many ways. And there's so many dimensions of it, uh, on a Sunday, uh, what I am doing, if I'm preaching a sermon that is aiding in the making of disciples, um, the person who is down the hall, um, in the nursery, uh, taking care of of little children. So their parents can hear the word of God and be less distract distracted. That person is laboring, uh, to make, disciples and you know down the hall the person at the welcome desk who is just trying to Mm. show a hospitable environment and make newcomers feel welcome they are laboring to make disciples Uh, each one of us is using just our gifts whether it's a gift of teaching or a gift of service or a gift of hospitality all of that is being used to make disciples Uh, so um, I would say and, and the example I just gave was was happening at a church on Sunday. And don't get me wrong, it's certainly not limited to that. But I would say um, one aspect of making disciples that's really important is to, to figure out how has God gifted you to serve him. All right? Um, because that is, that's, that's what you're going to be able to do the best. That's the best way that you're going to be able to serve the kingdom is to serve out of that gifting uh, the way that God has enabled you uh, to serve him in that way and to make disciples in that way. So um, that's probably just a 
small yeah. answer <laughs> to a no, much bigger it, question. Yeah, it's a very big question, and there's a lot of places that one could go with it. So, yep. no, I appreciate that answer. I, I think it was very good. Um, I want to ask the question, what does that look like in our daily work? And specifically for somebody who might be feeling like, you know what, my work isn't very spiritual. Like, how do I yeah. make disciples? How do I be Jesus to people in my workplace when it doesn't feel like it's a very spiritual environment? Yep. Oh, I love that. Okay. That's good. Um, so uh, there's a passage that comes to mind, pray without ceasing. Hmm. Um, where has God put you today? You know? Uh, do you have to go and, you know, work at a bank? Maybe it feels unspiritual. You're going to be meeting a lot of people. Uh, you're going to be interacting with coworkers, with customers. Um, you're going to have your own responsibilities that are on your mind. Um, when it comes to making disciples, I think a big part of it is being mindful, being mindful that that is our first mission. Um, I am not saying that you neglect your other duties, but you do those other duties with a greater mission in mind. Um, uh, your coworkers, understand deeply that you are called by the Lord to bless them, like you are the light in their life. You're, you're, you might be the only Christian that they know. Um, how much time is spent in, by you praying for your coworkers on a daily basis, like as you're doing your work um, and showing, you know, it's amazing some questions, how they can really just change people in the sense of like it can change the tone of work. Like, you know, people say, how, how's it going? You know, what's new? But it's different when it's like, yeah, tell me what's going on. You seem a little troubled. Like, um, I mean, is there any ways that I can be praying for you? Like that question can really open a door and, and change things. Hmm. So to bring it home, I think uh, being mindful that the place that you are at is where God has you. And the reason is to be a light, hmm. um, to be a, a missionary that, that doesn't, mean that you need to be sharing the gospel every day at work necessarily, but it means that being mindful of the fact that the Holy Spirit has you there for a reason. And so if your heart attitude, and, and I'm, I'm continually reminded this is really what it all comes down to. The question that Ryan is asking is kind of like, what do we do with our hands? How do we make disciples with our hands? And I want to first say, first, let's get the heart right, okay? Yeah. And then the hands will flow out of it. And the heart right, the, the, the heart truth that we need to grasp is this is where God has me for his purposes. And Lord, just show me how to serve you. Like I'm your servant here. Maybe you're in a situation where you don't really like your job. But Lord, this is where you have me. And you're in control and you're good. Show me what it means for me to make disciples. And I think that if we are asking that question of God with the right heart posturing and not being just wrapped up and entangled in the normal as the Bible might call civilian affairs, hmm. as in having our heart just entangled in, with the normal things of what our, you know, our duties might be or what our thoughts might be, but actually have a heart posture that says, Lord, I'm here to serve you. 
I think that's when we're going to really see the spirit lead us in answer to our prayer. Yes. Amen. Amen. And I think that also answers the question in the sense that um, I, I, I think we realize that no matter what our work is, even if we don't feel like it's spiritual, it is spiritual. It is. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say to the person who has been um, praying for coworkers, asked them how to pray for them, been trying to start conversations, been trying to embody Jesus at work, but hasn't been seeing a lot of fruit from it, and they're just discouraged? You know, that's a good question. And just as you're asking the question, I thought about Daniel, or David, David, King David. Hmm. Uh, you, you may or you probably know if you read the Bible or been around church that David was uh, king in Israel, the greatest king in the Old Testament. But before he was king, um, he had a different job earlier in his days, and that was watching sheep. Um, and you got to think, hmm. is that really the best <laughs> use of his time? You know, this guy who has a, uh, God said he was a man after his own heart. So this guy had great ministry potential. Um, and what is his day job? Watching sheep. Um, did he have an impact on the sheep? <laughs> you know, what was he making disciples with the sheep? No, I, I don't think that's really what it was about. That season of his life was more about shaping David. And later David mm. talked about, you know, there was a time, uh, when, uh, I was watching sheep and a bear came and the spirit of God came over me and I killed the bear and rescued the sheep. And it happened again with a lion, killed the lion, rescued the sheep. And then later when it was time uh, to meet Goliath, you know, David was ready hmm. because God had prepared him for that through his time as a yeah. shepherd. So as you're thinking about, you know, your place in life and you're not seeing the fruit of discipleship, on one hand, I would say sometimes you plant a seed and you don't see the fruit of it for years later. Yeah. Okay. Those people that you are, those people that you are interacting with, I suspect you're making a much bigger impact than you realize at the time. Yeah. Um, and so just trust that God's word doesn't come back empty, but also realize that God may be having you in this place for his work in you. I think God's a multitasker, so he's Amen. probably doing a little bit of both. Yes. Um, uh, but yes. Uh, yeah, one more thing. I, I like This is something small I was thinking about it the other day. I had uh, uh, a biology teacher in high school, and he was a Christian, and he just made a couple, couple remarks about his faith, and that stuck with me, because as a non-believer, as a non-believer, it's so rare to hear someone point to God. And it, 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 it's just little seeds because mm -hmm. then I met that man years later when I was a believer. And I remember telling him, I'm like, you know, those times you said this at class, I remember mm -hmm. that. I don't know why I remember it, but it yeah. stuck with me, you know, like the little seeds that you plant, you just have to trust that God's doing something, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Amen. I think it's, uh, sometimes I think we take upon ourselves the pressure of having to make something happen or um, uh, to evangelize or w fill in the blank of, of, of what you'd like to see the Lord do in the lives of those around you. And I think that there's tremendous joy in just acknowledging that it's, we're just joining him on his mission. Yeah. And he's the one in control. You know, we don't have to uh, manufacture any moment. It's, 
you know, I, I, I think of a, of a moment from my own life when I was working in a, in a health food store and, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was just sharing, ending up sharing the gospel with this person. Um, and, and I, I think I said something about like, you know, but confess with your mouth that he's Lord and believe in your heart, right. Out of, out of Romans. And, and she said, well, I believe. And I was shocked almost. Cause I was like, well, it's, okay, that was very quick. And I remember anxiously praying like, God, what do I do? What do I do? And I just felt like the Lord was saying to me, just sit back and watch me work. And there's something beautiful about, um, just being able to feel like you're joining, um, and just being used by the Lord and it's his work and we're just instruments of his work. So yeah, it's, it's a beautiful calling. That's really good because I think there is two like extremes. Like on one hand, we can do our day job without even any thought of, we're called by God to serve him. Hmm. But then on the other hand, we can put so much weight on our shoulders as if like, as yeah. if the mission <laughs> rests upon us, Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, where it's like, you know, uh, that's where that Psalm comes into play. Like if the Lord doesn't build the house, the laborer builds in vain. Yeah. The idea it's like, you know, he's going to fulfill his mission with or without you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's crazy how the Christian life, it seems like there's so much of it is just not going off the deep end on either extreme. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it's, it's uh, by yep. the wisdom of God, right? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> so we're talking a lot about work. Um, I think this is a great time to ask this question that we have here. Um, what is the purpose of the Sabbath? to rest from our labor, for example, take the day off by going on vacation or, or to rest in the Lord in a productively oriented culture. How can we best keep the Sabbath? So I think what they're asking is like, is the idea of the Sabbath to take a day off and just do what's fun? Or is it like really a day that you should put aside the rest of life and dedicate it to seeking the Lord in a, in, okay. in a very intentional way? I, I think that's what it's at the heart of this question. All right. I, I feel like this question needs a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little context uh, mm-hmm. for the person who might not be familiar with this, even the word Sabbath. True. Uh, it's it's one of the Ten Commandments. You know, honor the Sabbath. Um, the word Sabbath literally means stop. So it's kind of like, and, and, and the idea is rest, stop mm. from your work. Yeah. Okay. So one day a week, um, historically, the Jews under the law of Moses um, from sundown, Friday night to sundown Saturday, I believe it was. Uh, it was yeah. Friday night to Saturday night. Uh, they would not work. And so then now uh, we are in a new uh, covenant with Christ. The Old Testament points to Jesus, and we have this Christian faith. And so what does the command to honor the Sabbath mean for us? Um, you know, the, the way it was worded, you know, six days you work. The, the, just as the Lord worked and, and rested on the seventh day, you know, take a day off kind of is the Old Testament idea. But what does, that, what does that mean in Christ? And a lot of people have naturally first thought about, well, it's what we do on Sunday, right? You know, um, and, and I think there's parallels there. But biblically speaking, what we do on Sunday is not the Sabbath. Um, for one, it's the first day of the week, right? right? For one, it's a different day of the week. So which, which, if I could just go on a side tangent has its own beautiful symbolism because that's the day when Jesus rose. It's also the day of first creation. So it's also the day of 
the, the of new creation oh. as when new creation started. So yeah, that's how yeah. we, that's not how we end our week. That's how we start our week. Oh, that's good. It's in the resurrection. That's good. I, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, it's um, beautiful. So anyways, I think trying to equate the Old Testament Sabbath with the Christian uh, Sunday worship, I think is not as natural and biblical as you might think. Hmm. But with that being said, with that being said, I think um, there is, so all the Old Testament uh, laws, you know, have their fulfillment in Christ. And how do Christians obey, how do Christians fulfill and obey uh, the command to honor the Sabbath? I mean, we would still say the Ten Commandments are important, right? You know, uh, what is it? How do Christians honor and obey the Sabbath? And well, let's look what what is really being spoken of and and understand. I think the bigger picture: the idea of the Sabbath is stopping your work and resting, hmm. and resting. And and really, it's um, you know back then it required faith because this is like an agricultural society, right? Yeah. Um, it's like I can't afford to take a day off. I got. You know, a harvest coming. I got crops I got to labor for. If I take a day off every week, am I going to be able to, you know, support the family and such? And so there was this faith of saying, well, I'm going to take a day off. And by taking a day off, I'm trusting that God is the one taking care of me and not me. Amen. And um, how do we honor the Sabbath? Well, this is the most important concept. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And yeah. whoever has rested in Jesus has, remember, Sabbath means stop. We've stopped from our works, uh, meaning we're no longer trying to feel righteous because of our own efforts, but instead we are resting in his righteousness. Yeah. Um, what is uh, uh, Romans? Let's see how Romans chapter four speaks on this idea. Um, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts in God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Um, hmm. This this the one who does not work. That's pretty radical. Yeah. And that's something that people wrestle with. That does not mean that we just go out, you know, sinning and we don't try to do what's right. Of course we try to do what's right. Yeah. But what it means is we realize that our works of doing what's right, our labor doesn't count for anything. The only thing that counts is what Jesus did. And we rest in that. Um, whoever has rested in Christ has ceased from their labors. Yeah. Um, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And uh, so. Yeah. So how do we embody this Sabbath rest or um, choose to embrace the Sabbath rest in a world and in a culture that oftentimes sees busyness as a badge of honor? Just this idea that, you know, the busier you are, the more important you are. Um, you need to sort of be busy in order to accomplish, to, you know, like, how, how, do we, how do we embody that? And maybe what are some ways that you see us resisting that as, as a culture? This is a bigger issue than it seems. Hmm. 
as in this is for the Christian. Um, once more, like for me as a pastor, I'm so much more concerned with what you do with your heart than what you do with your hands. As in, I, I feel like if we can get the heart right, our hands will, will, will operate correctly. Okay. We, uh, and the idea of being like a workaholic, always busy, hmm. it's a bigger problem than it seems because I got, I got, I got to look up the Psalm. I, I referenced it. I think it's, is it, is it, uh, Psalm 129? Uh, I'm going to, let's see. I got my computer right in front of me. Psalm, uh, it's not Psalm 129. You know what? What's the phrase? What, what's, you're... how does it go? The, uh, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer builds in vain. Mm. Ryan will find it. And well, it goes like this. I actually don't have to look it up because I've spent so much time thinking about this passage that <laughs> I haven't memorized. I, I've had to learn this. Um, uh, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer builds in vain. Uh, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to bed eating the food of eating the bread of anxious toil for he gives to his beloved rest. Okay. That was pretty good. That's Psalm 127, one and two. Psalm 127. This yeah. It's pretty good by memory. Well, it's pretty that's, close. That, that's because I've, again, I've had to remind myself of this. Yeah. What this is saying is God doesn't need you to do anything. Hmm. And furthermore, furthermore, his desire is to give you heart rest. Yeah, isn't a great like um, passage on the other side of this? Maybe not on the other side, but another really good passage is Psalm one twenty, uh, Psalm twenty three, right? This idea of like the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Like He prepares a feast for me in the presence yep. of my enemies, he, he, right? He, and, and He leads me beside still waters. Yeah, like yeah. This is my this is my point. Some Christians have labored greatly in the Lord. I mean, the Apostle Paul talks about all the labors yeah. that he did, and I'm not advocating uh, a kind of laziness. But if your busyness is coming from a heart that's not able to rest, a heart that feels like I need to get this done, my security depends on it, my honor depends on it, my my worth, my self-worth depends on it, Sabbath, stop, okay? Stop, all right? He gives to his beloved sleep and rest and that kind of laboring isn't going to build the house and any house that 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 is created out of that is not the kind of house that glorifies god yeah um instead rest and trust in his goodness and um and from that yeah will come a different kind of laboring well and it's a passage that we're very familiar with right then jesus said come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and i will give you rest Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So even as we're talking about, you're talking about like doing, still doing works. It's not about laziness. It's like there's still this lightness and yep. there's still this rest as we're, even as we're doing our work, there's a rest in that. Yep. Uh, you know something? Uh, since we're on the topic of Psalm 127, it's like there's this idea um, you know, where he says, you know, unless the Lord builds a house, laborers build in vain and such. Uh, um, 
it is in vain that you're waking up really early and staying up all night working uh, because he gives to his beloved rest. And then the next verse is interesting. The next verse says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Um, like, so it goes from talking about busyness, busyness, busyness to children are a gift from God. And there was a time when I was really just reading this and wondering, it, it, it seems like a real change of topic, doesn't it? You know, when you see that in the Bible, take note, because what seems like a change in topic is often not a change in topic. And you're supposed to be asking the question, how are these connected? What's going on here? And it occurred to me one day, you know, those of us who have little children, when we're in a mindset of busyness, the children are a real annoyance, okay? <laughs> when I'm trying to get something done, there's nothing more, you know, frustrating than, you know, my, like, five-year-old who wants to talk about Paw Patrol, <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like, I got, I got, uh, I got things to do, kid, you know? Yeah. Um, but when we realize that it doesn't rest on our shoulders. The mission will be accomplished by God. The house that's being built is not being built by us. Um, when we have that heart rest, we're able to enjoy our children in, in a way that, that we otherwise can't. It's one of the tragedies of the world, I think, is a lot of people, a lot of children don't have the affection of their parents because the parents are too busy. Mm. All right? Mm -hmm. And... The Lord doesn't need us to be busy in that sense. Um, so that's a little bit of a tangent. Uh, I do have a no, lot of No, I kids. think it's really good. I <laughs> so. think it's really good. It even, I mean, it's not maybe a, a, a direct um, correlation here, but it makes me think of the Good Samaritan too, where it's like when you're going about your way, if you're too busy with your own stuff or anxiously toiling, it's a lot harder to really love people. Um, and like Cheryl was talking about, I think it was two weeks ago about like hosting people and hosting them like with your presence and taking time with them. I That's mean, this, this is attached to that as really well. Really good true, point right? that, that the love that we offer the world yeah. has to come from a heart of rest. Okay? Yeah. That's, Amen. That's once more, if we get the heart right, then we'll be able to serve him with our hands. Amen. So, yeah, I feel like that's a good place to end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or a comment about something we talked about on this episode, send us an email to ask at westviewmontreal.org. That's ask at westviewmontreal.org. We'd love to hear from you. Grace and peace to you, friends. Take care. Shalom. 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 <laughs>